evening, his disciples came to him saying, this and by themselves, <clears throat> victuals. But Jesus said to them, vittles. Well, that's, that sounds better for me. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them hither to me. You want to translate that? Okay, okay. <laughs> and he, he commended and he commended the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and disciples to the multitudes. And they all ate and were filled and they all took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. Amen. And those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. And thank you. <laughs> you did well. You did great. So when it was, uh, when it was time to, to, do, to do this, so when, when Jesus said, let's feed these guys, all the disciples could see was lack. Why? Why was, why was it that all they could see was lack? They're looking at what? Looking with their natural eyes. Because there was lack, wasn't it? There was a real lack. There, there was a need. There was, you know, let's, we, we, these people need to eat. You know, we're human beings. We need to eat. And uh, there's, there's a lot of them. There's 5,000 men. There's more, you know, where, like I've always said, where there's 5,000 men, there's women, you know, and probably as many. And then when there's men and women together, there's kids. So there's a lot of people there. And they need to eat. And, and so it's time to eat. And, and so Jesus says, well, you feed them. And immediately the lack because it's reality, you know, because it's, it's the way things are, they just, well, see, we just don't have it. There's just no way, no way we can do this. We just can't. Looking at the circumstances, look at, looking at the situation, the natural, in the natural, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, so in that, there's a lesson, isn't there? Because Jesus didn't say, in this special situation, only now, this is the one and only time this will ever happen, uh, I'm going to create something out of nothing. I'm going to supply your need with uh, a miraculous thing. No, he actually did it twice, didn't he? He fed the 5,000, then he fed the 4,000. And there were other times where he created things out of nothing. He made, he made those things that are not as though they are. He, he, made, he, he took a step of faith. Jesus walked by faith, didn't he? The Bible says... The Bible, you know, God said through Paul, he says, my righteous one will live by faith. Jesus lived by faith. He looked at what was, he heard what the Holy Spirit said. Why did he have the, the unction to say, you feed them? What do you have? Why? Because he heard that from the Holy Ghost, I'm sure. Because he said he didn't say anything he didn't hear his father saying. He didn't do anything he didn't see his father. You know, there were other times I'm sure they were hungry and he didn't create or didn't uh, multiply food. But in those two instances, he, he did. Why? Because he heard it. You feed them. You, what, what do you have there? I'll feed them with whatever you have. So as we walk through this life, there are going to be times when there's lack. Because we live in a world where there is lack. And 
the hard part is is to not look at the circumstances, not look at the moment, and to trust that he can do what he says he'll do. I mean, you look at the the the, the finances for the this building. We're at one hundred and thirty nine thousand one hundred or two hundred or something like that. You know, a year and a half ago we had nothing, and we're looking at building a building. And and you know, you look at this congregation. You're longer than usual tonight or today. I noticed. I see. Thank you, ushers. Give the ushers a huge round of applause for keeping everyone in the middle. That's it. I, I didn't actually think we, we would have that would go deeper, but that's awesome. I love it. That's that's a work good way to work. Um, can't remember what I was talking about now. Give them a thank. Building hundred. What? God will provide. There you go. That's where we'll end up. God will provide. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you that you do provide. You have provided every step of the way. And you are providing that we continue to, to rest in you. We continue to, to trust you. We continue to believe you. And that every step of the way, you are providing. You have provided and you are providing. We give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, we've been... Uh, We've been following the Holy Ghost. We've been, uh, last few weeks have been very interesting. And this morning is going to be interesting. Uh, during the week devoted to God, on that Saturday morning of uh, the all-day conference that we had, um, during worship, the Holy Spirit said something to me. And I've just acted it out ever since then. He said to me, on, he says, first of all, have uh, Jason Justin preach in January. And... Uh, and then he said to me, have Tom Heitman preach in February. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to talk to him. Right after, worship gets done, and I turn around, and Jason Justin is standing in front of me. He says, he says this just happened to him. If you remember his sermon, he, he talked about a, he, they had come on an accident, and they were, God had put them there, and Jason wanted to ignore the person and be like the first two. Uh, <laughs> the bad Samaritan. Yeah, thank you, John. <laughs> No. So they, they talked about how God, what, what, and, but he said to me, he said, he said, God really taught me some things through this. He says, and I, and I knew immediately that was just a confirmation. So he, he ministered. It was awesome. It was, it was wonderful. Praise God for that. And then uh, as I was talking to Jason, Tom walked up and was waiting patiently. And, and uh, when he got done, he goes, yeah, the Lord's been showing me this, this, and this. And I was like, hey, you need to preach in February. So this morning, Tom Heitman is going to share the word with us this morning. Let's give him a warm welcome. morning it'll take me a moment i was actually happy when you moved everybody to the center because i tend to pace and i'm going to walk over here and i'm going to walk over there and preach to empty chairs <laughs> thank you pastor john actually the very first notes i put put on my on my paper here were, were exactly that the the week devoted to god um he, he did we talked for a little bit there that saturday morning and he said I don't remember rightly if you said I would like you to preach or you're going to preach or whatever, um, but I remember, I remember the statement you asked or saying something to me, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I, yes, I get it. I, I kind of, I had an inkling it was coming. I don't know why. I just did. I had an inkling it was coming. Um, for the last two and a half, three years, God's been God's been working me over in a in a in a very very great way. I love it. Um, 
Carla and I were talking about this. I'm going to get up here and I'm going to speak. And she says, well, when you're teaching. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not teaching. I am not teaching. I, there for a while, I was going to have a message. I thought, oh, I'll have a message and I'll, I'll be clever. I'll put some words of, that start with the letter D. The D's of discipleship, words like diligent, words like desire, words like discipline. I was going to do all this stuff, and that seemed contrived, so I, uh, I let that go. I said, I think I'm just going to tell a story. That's kind of what I do. I tend to ramble off. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story. I'm going to weave together a few things that have been happening the last couple, two and a half, three years, and we'll let it play out the way it's going to play out. A couple disclaimers. A. Every thought I have in my head, I liken to a ping pong ball. I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of things bouncing around up there all the time. Most generally, when I'm in an environment that I'm comfortable with, when I'm around people I know well and it's one-on-one or a couple, I control the ping pong balls. I'll let one out. It'll bounce across, play out, and then I'll let out another one. Sometimes there'll be a couple, but I control them when I'm comfortable when I'm in familiar territories. If I'm not in familiar territory, the ping pong balls get away. (laughs) You're kind of, your responsibility, this disclaimer, if there's more than one ping pong ball, you're on your own. Uh, The second disclaimer, I have absolutely no formal training, biblical training. I have absolutely no formal education. I am a layman. I have no degree in eschatology. I wanted to say that. I have... I have no degree in theology, okay? I have, however, read a book. I have read a book more than once. I continue to read this book daily. It's the same book we all read. So I'm not going to share anything new. I'm not going to share anything you, you aren't familiar with. I'm just going to tell you a story about what's been going on with me for the past two and a half, three years, however long it's been. And this one starts on a road I found a spot where I could give God 30 to 40 minutes a day outside of the morning, a spot in the middle of the day, and I'm walking down this road I had at that time, I had a little pocket Bible, and I, was, I got in and around 37, Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I had just read that, I was walking down a road, and I prayed out, no, 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 Lord, do not, do not give me the desires of my heart. These desires I have are not good. I don't want them. And it, it kind of rocked me because I hadn't expected to say that. I didn't expect to be kind of, if you will, confronted with some of the stuff going on inside of me. I'm the guy that's supposed to be walking in and around Galatians 5. Love is patient. You know, the kindness and the, and the, and the, and the, and the love, the walking in the spirit. That's supposed to be me. And I'm, I'm rocked with this this uh, unkind person. I don't want the desire. Things at work were not great. I was tired at work. I was angry at work. I had a good number of people at work that I was angry with, and I could talk about any one of them at length without saying anything good, and I often did. But I'm standing there on the road realizing, oh, I'm in in a tough spot here. Um, I don't want God to give me the desires of my heart. And, and it weighed on me. Thoughts like that weigh on you for a reason. And I thought, man, I got some work to do. So fortunately, I, I, I kept on reading my Bible. I kept on praying. And, and I, I, I can't. At this point, I cannot let that go. 
And almost deja vu-ish, I was there on the same spot in the road praying again for some odd reason. Months later, in and around 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. And, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm tired. I am tired. Tired of trying to be good. Tired of trying to behave myself around people that I'm not always on my best behavior with. And, and, and it, it's, I'm tired. You do it. You give me the desires of my heart. And I had another one of those moments. And 37.4 flipped on me right there. And I realized, it's not my desires. It's not the desires of my heart that I want. I, I want God to put those desires in my heart. Give me your desires. You all probably knew that verse that way. I didn't. I needed that spot in the road to kind of go... And I keep that. I keep that in my head because I need to remember that fleshly, worldly Tom gets caught up in my own thinking and, and I, uh, I try to do things on my own. And I've gotten to a point now, I'm not completely there, but I've gotten to a point where more often, more often than, than I used to, I, I pray, Lord, give me the desires of, of your heart. Put your desires in me. All right, I have, to, I have to let another ping pong ball out or I'll go, desires. I don't, know how, I don't know how many of you have gone through the Truth Project. Carl and I have been through it a couple times. John, you guys did it one time. We went through it. Carl and I facilitated it one time. There's 12 truths, 12 spheres of truth they go through, and every sphere has three elements in it. Um, they missed the sphere. There's a sphere of desire. There's a sphere of what I call being. And the sphere of desire, it's one I made up on my own, it's one of my ping pong balls, it, uh, it starts with a desire, but once you have that desire, you actually have to do something with that desire in order to become something. If you have a desire to be an artist, you have to pick up a paintbrush. You have to go to a blank canvas and you have to start painting. If you have the desire to be a photographer, you have to, the desire's there, you have to buy a camera. You have to start taking pictures. You might be good at it, you might be bad at it. Professional photographer, amateur photographer, it, it doesn't matter. But there's this sphere of desire that you have to have, and then you have to act on it in order to become whatever it is your desire is. So many is the time I've prayed, Lord, help me to be kinder. And then I waited very, very much for God to grant me my wish. Very genie-like, rub the, rub the sign of the lamp, Lord, do this for me, and then you just wait. One must do something, and then when you, when you get the do, you start to become. So, I'm kind of rambling a bit, but it starts with desires, and what what better place to get your desires than ask God for the desires that he wants you to have? So this is, this is how I pray from time to time. And from time to time, more often than time to time, I pray that way almost all the time. So as I'm praying this, it's like, Lord, what is it you would have me do? 
Father, I need the desires that you want to put inside of me. And it isn't that far of a stretch to get to thy will be done. Right? So I'm actually praying the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. And, and I mean it. It's not just words. What is it you would have me do? And I'm out on the road. This is where I do a lot of my, my best work is on the road when I'm praying. And that's really just God's work working me over. And I'm praying, what is it you would have me do? And I, I, I tend to think I'm missing it in quite a few places. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in, in certain situations. You put me here. You, you, you saved me. You, you have a purpose for me. I'm your idea. We've all said that to some form or fashion. I'm not even my own idea. I'm God's idea. And if you take that, another ping pong ball, um, think about ideas. First, let me back up a little bit. Ideas, you have to make that idea that you are God's idea. That has to become your own. Like I said, a lot of people have said that. You've heard it in variations. A lot of people have said, I'm not my own idea, I'm God's idea. But you need to make that idea or that thought needs to become yours. You need to get it and understand it that you really are not your idea. And as, as you're praying in and around that, as you start to make it yours, at least for me, I started to think about the idea of where, where ideas come from. Where do they even begin? And if I'm not my own idea, I'm God's idea. And this had a beginning somewhere. This me had a beginning somewhere. It ain't a far reach for me to go to. That's the mind of God. Somewhere way back, way back when, God thought, you know what? We're going to need a Tom-like guy in and around the 20, beginning of the 21st century. And, and he's, he sketched out a few things. He kind of drew it up, and then he said, well, let's just materialize him on his birthday. And here I am, right? And then I spent the next lifetime trying to get things to go the way I wanted things to go planning out my career, planning out my personal life, my professional life. Had a lot of plans. This is the same Tom that was standing out there on the road going, Lord, I'm tired. I've been trying to work this forever and it ain't working. I'm not even my own idea. I'm your idea. What is your will for me? And as I'm working my way through that, I say, I said, I get there. God, what is your will for me? I'm tired. I can't do it. You do it. You take care of it. And he smiles. And he says, there you are, Tom. I've been waiting for you, right? And God himself, the creator of the universe, the world's, the universe's greatest artist, Jesus, reaches out with an eraser and starts working me over. And absolutely everything that I have, everything, most everything I've kind of been working on is like, oh, this is flawed. Oh, this is flawed. And, and, and I begin to go through this, if you will, erasing process. And God starts to have whomever he thought up of way back when, I start to show up. I start to realize a little bit more fully what it is God has in line for me. So... 
as I'm, as I'm working my way down through that, I get, I get into the Bible. God knows that I'm praying, Lord, you've got to show me what it is I'm supposed to do. And I get the Thessalonians, and I know it was marked before I started. There it is. There it is. There we go. First Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, I'm a simple man. I can't have God's will be something obscure. I can't have God's will be something subtle. I can't have it be indirect. I'm, I'm simple. I need it right smack dab in my face, square up. For this is the will of God. Your sanctification, black and white. My sanctification is the will of God. Knowing that God will give me the desires of my heart. As long as I'm praying for the desires that God wants me to have, I start praying for sanctification. I start on that road, if you will, on that ramp, and I need a... Stop for a moment here. And I need to revisit the ramp of sanctification. Back in April, I shared, I shared something about an individual I'd prayed for. And during that time as a church, we had, Pastor John had talked about everything, everything broken, everything lost. Nothing broken, nothing lost. Where we were to where we're going and, 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 and our path this way. And I said, I had that same visual back then. I still have it, but now it's, even then it was a ramp. Mine kind of went from there to there, and I've named it the ramp of sanctification. And so I put myself on that ramp. It's a great visual for me when I go away. I like to just put my hands up like that and look, and I get get focused. I get focused right away. I'm going to reference the ramp again, so just just know that if I say the ramptification, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Um... But that becomes my desire to, to, to sanctification, right? It's me cooperating with God, God showing me what I'm supposed to be doing, God putting the desires inside of me that he wants for me to have, and me being obedient and walking that out, me on the ramp of sanctification, working in, in harmony with God to become all that he knows me to be, all that, and this, correct me here if I'm wrong, all that Jesus was on the earth. We're supposed to walk our way to that, to that point, walk with God to that point. This is God's will for me. I read it in the Bible. So this is, this is what I'm on and about. Now, because I'm diligent, staying in the Bible, and because my mind works the way my mind works, I end up in Matthew, somewhere in around chapter 11. We've been here before. Like I said, nothing new. Matthew 11. Chapter 11. Bear with me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? We just talked about this as a church here a few weeks ago. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle. I am humble. You will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And that sounds pretty good, right? 
We all want that easy yoke. We want the light burden. We want all that. But what, what, what wouldn't let me go here, what kept me in this portion of the Bible for quite some time, is that Jesus, Jesus bookended that. It's a bookended deal. And what I mean by a bookended deal is a bookended deal is one of those things that it's not too good to be true. It's, it, it is true. But it, what it is is, I think an example. Free piano. Free piano. You pick it up, the piano's yours, right? It's a bookended deal. This deal is so good. I'm going to tell you about it, and then I'm going to tell you about it again. Free piano. Pick it up. You've got to come and get it. The piano's yours, Okay. So let's look at this again. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble, humble in heart. You will find the rest you need. The bookend, take my yoke. It's easy and my burden is light. But we always seem to skip over that spot in there that says, learn from me. I went through and I looked. Different translations. Sometimes they say, learn of me. Learn from me, learn of me. I don't care. It gets, it gets me to the same place, right? And so, where do I learn from Jesus? Where do I learn of Jesus? So where do I need to spend my time? In the Bible, Jesse, hand, two weeks ago, Jesse, I told him I didn't need to get up here because he basically said, read your Bible, And that's what all this comes down to. Read your Bible. So learn from me. And I got it. And I'm I'm reading my Bible not just to read it, to get from the front to the back and say, hey, I've read the Bible. Front cover to cover, I've got it. I'm reading it with a purpose. I'm reading it with with a desire to be ever more holy, ever more sanctified, ever more righteous. And and over these years, I've I've become a little bit um, overwhelmed at what God has been showing me. I've become overwhelmed at what God has been telling me. Um, whereas before, I could pick the Bible up and I could read for months and months and then put it down and leave it for months and months and months. I can't, I can't do that anymore. Before, when I used to pray, I, I, I prayed, and that's about all I did, prayed. Now, I pray often. I pray, I, I pray differently, and I, I'm lost without prayer. Um, and I, I sometimes get, get to a spot where I, I imagine a conversation with, with Jesus, and I say, Lord, you know I love you. And, and the Lord says, yes, I know you do. I know you do. But don't forget, it is I who love you so. Don't lose sight of the fact that I love you with perfect love. I loved you first. I laid hold of you. God put me on the the ramp of sanctification. He saved me, my salvation. God did that. And and I'm talking and saying, I'm, I, He laid hold of me, and I and I say, Lord, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep on pressing on, pressing on. And He said, All right. Um, I haven't gotten to where I want to be yet. But I'm going to keep pressing on until I get a hold of God. Like he's gotten a hold of me. Because I'm not there yet. But I'm going for it. Um, In that, 
as, as I started to, you know, you come to that point where you realize just, just kind of how overwhelmingly loved you are. And, and, and regardless of how much I love God, I, I get that I don't get how loved I am. And, and somewhere in there, you end up in Matthew where it says, Jesus himself says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Again, we've all read that. We all know that, right? Um, loving something. Loving something. I used to fish. I used to be, I still fish. I still fish, but not like I used to. I used to have a boat. The year I got the boat, I went out on opening weekend, and I went, you can count on one hand how many weekends I missed because, because I loved fishing. I loved fishing. I read the magazines. I had the lures. I had many, many rods. People at work probably got tired of asking me, what would you do this weekend, Tom? Because they knew it was going to be all about fishing. I could talk about fishing all day long. I was somewhat obsessed with fishing, I think. Um, I don't fish near like I used to. It, it, I enjoy it, but not like that. I bow hunted for, for a fish. I still bow hunt, but not like I used to. Got the magazines, scouted weeks before I was supposed to be in the woods. I'm out checking things out. I could tell you where the trails were. I could tell you which deer were on which trails. I loved, I loved bow hunting. People wouldn't talk to me about it because I was one of those guys, one of those deer hunters. It's just, oh, here he comes again. He's going to tell us a bow hunting story. Um, golf, I did that too for a good number of years. Same thing. I could watch it constantly. I had the magazines. I had the clubs. I was on the course, memberships, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Sounds a little obsessive. <laughs> it does, it does. That's, that's culture. That's culture speaking. That's society speaking. Obsessions are bad things. It's okay if you're fishing. It's okay if you're hunting. I didn't, I, I've told very few people I was getting up here today to, to speak. Very few people. Why is that? Why is that? Tuesday, I got tomorrow off. <clears throat> Blessed man. I've got tomorrow off. People are going to say, hey, how was your weekend, Tom? I say, it was great, I think. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm going to remember, love the Lord your God. And I'm going to say, you know what I did this weekend? And I'm going to tell them, maybe I am. But love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I don't, I don't do that. Not like I should. Not like I should. And I know it. I do it good in the morning when I get up. And I get my Bible out, and I got my daily reading, and I pray, and I'm just, the house is quiet. It's just me and God. I am good at it. Trust me. I'm good at it in the morning. I've even gotten to a point now where I can get in my car and get to work. It's a 10-minute ride, all right? I can stay rock solid all the way to work, and I do it. I'm getting better. I can get in the door. I can, that's, that's not me. That's not, I can get in the door. I can even say good morning to certain people, and I'm still there, I'm still there, and then I turn on the email, and all bets are off after that, <laughs> all bets are off, <laughs> and sometimes, even before then, if, if not the right person comes up, but the wrong person comes up, <laughs> goodbye God, I'm focused here now, I lose, I lose my perspective, 
but I'm working on it. And I'm not getting off of this ramp. And I've gotten to a point where in the middle of the day, I, 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 I furiously eat my lunch as quickly as I can so I can go walk. I've got a spot where I can go walk almost completely alone, 30 to 40 minutes, and I pray. And I worship, and I listen, because there's nothing there. I won't, I won't put the earbuds in. I won't do anything like that. I, I pray in the Spirit, and I'm gone for 30 to 40 minutes, and I come back to work, and, and it's gone. It's gone. I'm there for 30 to 40 minutes, and I'm back in in the afternoon, and honestly, it just, it just gets away. God gets away from me. There's a lot of distractions. You would think, you would think, when I get home, my wife is there, my kids are there, I'm rock solid, right? When I get home? No, no. Um, by then I'm tired, and there's a mental tired that, that equates to a physical tired, and I've got lots of excuses. I'm working on it. God's working with me. I pray for desires. Um, but I get, I get tired, and I'll, and I'll look at Drudge, or I'll watch the news, or I'll just, I'll just turn the TV on and not even know what I'm watching, right? This is not where I want to be. This is not where God envisioned me, this is not where I'm going to stay. I'm getting, I'm getting on with it. I'm getting on with it. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart. I know that. I got it here. I know it. I know it. Obsessively, all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, I got it here. It ain't here yet. Not completely. But I'm working it. I know it. I'll get there with God. God's, God's doing the work. He just keeps steering me, through the, steering me through the hurdles, steering me through the distractions. And, and it's the distractions that, that take our time, and it? It's the distractions that keep us off task. It's the distractions that keep us off focus. And at the week devoted to God, Pastor John, somewhere in that week, said, has anybody got a word? And it was quiet for a long time, and you called me up. You called me up. I'm going to share something I shared then. I'm going to share it again. First off, I never get a word. I get, I get a ping pong ball. <laughs> and then he lets it go in my head, and, and it, it plays out into who knows where it plays out to. But he knows enough to give me the ping pong ball, and I'll do something with it. Um, distractions. So Pastor John called me up, and, and I talked about this a little bit. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in length. On the, as it relates to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all the distractions. There are distractions absolutely everywhere. And I need to be focused there. I need to be focused on God all the time. And I'm not. Um, not all that long ago, I cleaned up my web browser because I had, I had this many bookmarks for websites, news websites, news-related websites. I probably had this many. And my spiritual bookmarks were about like this. And I'm thinking about distractions, and I'm thinking about loving the Lord my God with all my heart. And I didn't even look at all those news sites. Sometimes I did, but mostly they just distracted me. And, and I've gotten to a point where, whereas I used to say, well, you've got to keep informed. You've got you to know what's happening. And, and 
I, I know what's happening when I pay attention. And the websites, you have all these, these, these things distracting you from, from, from the path you're supposed to be on, pulling you back and around to this path that you've come from. Distractions. And you have the right-leaning websites telling you that the left-leaning websites are lying, and you have the left-leaning websites telling you that the right-leaning websites are lying, and, and you, have, you have guns in school, you have North Koreans that won't go back to their country because, because they didn't meddle in the Olympics, and I'm all twisted up and around, and I hear, psst, 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 psst. can you hear that? Psst, turn around. And I turn around, and there's my God. And I, I said, there you are, Lord. Where, where have you been? <laughs> he's, he's telling me, he's been right there the whole time. He says to me, where have you been looking? I said, back there. Backwards. Things are a mess back there. We have, we have politicians we can't trust. We, have, we can't trust the FBI. We have... We have earthquake. We have earthquake swarms underneath underneath the supervolcano in Yellowstone. I just read. I just read about a. Yeah, I'm still there. Still reading this. There's a there's a there's a pastor in Toledo who stole money from a Sunday school teacher, and I'm 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 like, what's going on? And I hear, Psst, turn around again. You're trying to go up the ramp backwards. <laughs> And so I turn around. <laughs> I turn around, and I, there you are. Lord, where did you go? No, no, no. It's not about where I went, Tom. It's what you're doing. You need to pay attention to me. I'll let you in on a secret. It's all okay. He's got it. He's got it. And I'm looking at him, and when I'm looking at him, I get it. He's got it. If I look away, I lose sight. It's okay. Tom, I've got you. It's okay. Yeah, but look at this. Never say, yeah, but, <laughs> to God. Never say that. Yeah, but look at that. No, no, Tom, I didn't tell you to look at that. Even the good stuff, if he's not telling you to look at it, don't look. A couple weeks ago, last week, week before, you, you, you talked about Zacchaeus. Jesus, Jesus dealt with distractions, Five thousand. I don't remember the numbers for the story around Zacchaeus, but he, we just talked about him feeding five thousand. So if he's walking around, there's thousands of people, thousands, a mob, pulling at him, tugging at him, trying to get his attention, trying to draw his attention away. So if you're walking with thousands of people, how do you know? You said, how do you know to call out Zacchaeus? And how do you even know where to look? thousands of people. He didn't know it's Zacchaeus till then, I don't think, maybe, I don't know, but Zacchaeus, and he kind of calls out, and there's this guy. I think that's me. I'm having dinner with you, in and amongst all these distractions, because he had his eyes there. I, um, I play, I play with, <laughs> I was scratching my head, that's a thing. I play with, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a sign I'm getting comfortable, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. 
I play with verses. I, I play with the ones that I can especially be cynical with, but I'm sorry, that's just me being, all this stuff, by the way. I've run all this stuff by God. God knows where I'm at. He knows how much I love him. He knows, he knows where I'm heading. He knows this. So when I tell you I have a verse or two in the Bible that I'm cynical with, I'm not cynical in a, in a secret way. He knows. But there's, there's some of these that just at this point in my walk seem a little bit impossible. And, and the one that always gets me, because of the distractions and because of the ping pong balls I live with, there's the one that says, take every thought captive, right? Yeah, every, every thought captive. Every ping pong ball needs to be controlled. <sighs> yeah, yeah, right? And, and that seems to me, at this point in life, it seems to be, a little, I know it's, it's possible. I know it's possible, right? I haven't yet prayed for that desire, but it's possible, and I'm getting there. There's another one that says, pray without ceasing, okay? Right? Pray without ceasing, without ceasing. On a clock, that looks like 24-7. Without ceasing. At least that's the way it works in my head. And that's another one of those. I'm like, yeah, I don't, yeah. So I've wrapped them together because that's what I do. Pray without ceasing. The only way I can pray without ceasing is to take every thought captive. The only way I'm going to ever take every thought captive is to pray without ceasing. And so I play with that because that's what I do. That's the only way I can get it. But I'm, I'm traveling a while ago. And this is my travel Bible. Okay, it's smaller than my... I have a big study Bible at home. That Bible has all the answers in it. This one... It was a joke, but only I got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I told you I'm getting comfortable. Still in Thessalonians, and I, I wish I could show it to you. Where, pray without ceasing. One of, my, one of my fun verses that I wrapped up with take every thought captive. But, but this time I'm reading Thessalonians, and... And because I've got my travel Bible, the columns are different, the font is different, everything's laid out a little differently. And it says 16, like a bullet point. This is, by the way, First uh, Thessalonians 4, 16. Rejoice always. The bullet point, 16, rejoice always. That's its own thought. Rejoice always. Always is one of those words that culture says, society says, don't use the word always. Don't ever use the word always. It's in the Bible. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. There's my verse. Pray without ceasing. I've, I've, I've played with this one forever. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Those three verses, bullet pointed in this Bible, have got me, had me, had me, no longer, had me flummoxed, Okay? Um, I looked them up. I got, I got out the concordance. I was electronic. I was traveling. I have the real big concordance, but I was using the web. And I looked up Rejoice Always. And if you look it up, you translate it, it comes out to Rejoice Always. You can't, you can't slide around it with, with a translation. Um, pray Without Ceasing, as long as I had the concordance going, Pray Without Ceasing, same thing. Pray without ceasing. You can't, you can't get around it. So this gets stuck in my head, these three together. This seems almost impossible, right? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In every situation, in every circumstance, give thanks. How does one go about doing that? Especially given 
all the distractions and all the things that come across our, across our path. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm praying about this, and I get to that point where I, I have, have the Lord looking at me saying, it's all right. I've got you. And I'm looking there. And in my heart, I'm able to rejoice a little bit because it's okay. I've got you. And in my soul, I can pray because my Lord has got me. He's got everything covered. It's all right. And I can give thanks in every circumstance as long as my focus is right, as long as that's where my heart is set. And by the way, the very end of it, this is God's will for you. I'm back to God's will, black and white. A simple man like me, I got it. It's all right. I just need to keep my focus right. I'm about done. But there's always more. There's always more with God. And he'll give you these things. He'll put them in your head. For me, it's been the ramp for quite some time. And he lets you play them out. And he lets you play them out over the course of time. And, and it starts to get clearer and clearer. And I got to that point where I could pray without ceasing. As long as I'm focused, pray without ceasing, rejoice in all circumstances, give thanks. I got it. It's about focus. And I can let the ramp go. But there's residual God. Every time he tells you something and you work your way through it, there's just a little bit more. Not all that long ago, he showed me this. It's a funnel. It's a funnel, okay? <laughs> it's not the funnel he showed me, but, but I, the funnel he showed me was flexible. I need that. The funnel he showed me was flexible. When I say it was flexible, you could poke on this side and it would point that way. You could poke on this side and it would point that way. You could turn it inside out on itself. The ramp of sanctification is encased in a funnel. Your focus, it's an object lesson. I married a teacher. (laughs) Your focus is this point of the funnel. If you get turned around backwards, and by the way, that's my free will. I can choose to look this way. I can choose to look that way. And in the funnel that God showed me, it just happens just that quick. Just that quick. When I'm focused this way, I'm okay. All right, let me say this first. I haven't lost my salvation. I am not off the ramp of sanctification. But I ain't going to hit my target. I ain't going to get to where I should be focused. And this is where I need to be focused. This is where I need to be focused. That's my message. Amen. That's my message. Not sure how you follow that up. <laughs> that was pretty darn good. Thank you. Thank you. That Praise was God. really good. Praise God. Just goes to show you that you don't need to be a professional teacher, a professional preacher, a theologian, an eschatologian, or whatever you however you say it, because our lives are a sermon. Your life's a sermon, Tom. That was awesome. That was really good. Thank you for that. That was really good.